Well, happy Easter, everybody. God bless you guys, and welcome to Swerve Church. Man, I'm just so glad that you guys chose to spend this afternoon with us today. And like Stephen mentioned, man, you know, it's a little different here. Go grab some coffee. Go grab a sandwich and eat. It's okay. All right? It's totally fine. You guys can go ahead and do that um, here at the church. Well, I just want to wish you guys happy Easter. We are celebrating the Savior, Jesus, the Christ, and I'm so glad that I can be spending this time with each and every single one of you today worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's why we get together to worship that he is risen, he is risen indeed. And today we're kicking off a brand new series called I Deserve It. Maybe you saw the intro video and you're like, what is this? What did I come to? I'm going to explain it to you in just a second. But we'll be looking at four people in the Bible. It's a four-week series. We're kicking it off today. Today is week one. And we'll be looking at four people in the Bible that did something that deserved something worse. But instead, because of God's great love and because of his great mercy, they receive forgiveness instead. Now, I have a confession to make. First of all, I know you guys love it when the pastor makes a confession, right, to something that he did wrong. So I have a confession to make. I remember as a child, going to Western Beef. Oh, by the way, I've said this story before. Those of you that have heard it, I apologize. But for everybody else, I remember as a child going to Western Beef, right, to go um, with the family, whatever, go shopping. And back at this time, they used to have the candy section that you can buy by the pound. You can purchase as much candy as you want. You put it in a bag. You pick, you scoop it. You put it in the bag, and you pay by the pound. Well, while I was there, I was literally looking at everybody going by. And everybody was just walking by, taking a handful, and then popping it into their mouths, right? And I was like, oh, my goodness. How can they be doing this? They're not paying. They're stealing, right? But then I was with my aunt. She happened to be with me on this trip, and she says, go get me some. Go get yourself some and go get me some. And I looked at her and said, it's okay. And so I went. I grabbed a handful of gummy worms. I walked back to my aunt. I gave her her stash, and I'm not proud of it but I ate the gummy worms. I ate, I stole, guys, I, I, and I had this massive amount of guilt and shame that came over me because I know you're supposed to pay for that candy, but my aunt rationalized, everybody's doing it, it's okay, go ahead. But nonetheless, I had stolen. Maybe you can relate, right? You're, you're sitting here today. Maybe you can relate if sometime you did that, or perhaps you have your own story of stealing and it wasn't gummy worms, maybe it was something worse. You know, but maybe an even worse story. But regardless, as we begin this series uh, today, you know, we need to begin with this truth. This is so important. You need to understand this, that we are all guilty of breaking God's laws. As we begin this series, we need to understand this, that we are all guilty of breaking God's laws. And if you don't believe me, then a quick test will help you see that this is true. Do you guys remember this old movie? They give it once a year, I think on Channel 7 or whatever. It's called the Ten Commandments, right? With, with uh, Charlton Heston, right? That old movie. It's like 10 hours long or something, right? It's like super long about the Ten Commandments. But it's actually based on the Old Testament narrative from the book of Exodus. It's based on from the book of Exodus. And the Ten Commandments, basically all it is is God's morality 101, right? If you read the Ten Commandments, you're not going to be like, wow, I didn't know that. That's amazing. I didn't know I, didn't, I couldn't do that, right? It's super basic, God's laws. The Ten Commandments are super simple. None of the Ten Commandments are shockers. But you need to know, before we take this test together, I need you to know this, that the Bible says this in James chapter 2, verse 10, that for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken 
all of God's laws. By the way, guys, those bulletins that you guys received when you came in, inside of them, there's some message notes. Take out the message notes. There's some fill-in-the-blanks. All the Bible verses are there as well. So you can underline and circle and write and fill in the blanks, and you can follow along with the message. That's for you to keep. And during the week, you might want to whip it out again and pray over it. But James chapter 2, verse 10, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. So what that means is that to break one of the laws is to break them all, okay? To break one of the laws is to break them all. But oftentimes, we're not honest with ourselves with how truly lawless we really are. Am I right? Right? We're, we're just not honest with ourselves because I think that's because we love to compare ourselves to others, right? Because there's always somebody who's worse off than you, right? We all have that uncle, you know, uncle, you know, Eddie, that guy's crazy, you know. I don't do what he does, you know, right? And we like to compare. And... And if there's nobody that you can compare yourself to, then you whip out the Hitler card, right? At least I'm not Hitler, right? And that's, and that's kind of the problem we, because we compare ourselves to other people. What we ought to do is not compare ourselves to one another, but compare yourself to the one and only perfect, faultless, and holy God. And when you do that, you're going to realize that you fall incredibly short. So let's just look at a few of the Ten Commandments, and you judge for yourself. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to write it down. Just think, okay, I'm going to list off a few of the Ten Commandments. And you, you, tell, you, you tell yourself, did I break this commandment? All right, so let's just look at a couple of them. Here's one. Thou shalt not lie. Have you ever told a lie, right? Have you ever, I think, you know, probably thousands of, of lies, right? Even as little children and even into our adults, we, we tell lies, you know, all the time. That's one of the Ten Commandments. You may be guilty of breaking that one. How about this one? Thou shalt not steal. I just finished confessing to you guys. I stole gummy worms as a little child. Maybe you're sitting there, Danny, man. All right, that's good. That was you. You stole gummy worms. i never done anything like that. Well, listen, have you ever downloaded a song that you didn't pay for? Did you ever buy a $5 DVD from the Chinese lady on Knickerbocker on Graham Ave? Then, then you stolen, okay? So you've broken this law as well. Okay, how about this one? All right, honor thy father and thy mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Have you ever dishonored your parents in front of their face or behind their back? Oh, my mom, she don't know who she don't know what, and I hate mom and I hate dad, right? Have you ever done that? Then you've dishonored your father and your mother. So how are you doing so far? <laughs> how are you doing so far? Failing this test? You know, beyond all this, God also examines our thoughts and our motives. So you can't even escape the commandments of thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not commit murder. Because if you thought these things, you've already committed these sins in your heart. Jesus said, if you look at a person lustfully, you've committed adultery with them in your heart. And Jesus said in the New Testament that if you hate your brother, if you hate your sister, you've murdered them in your heart. What that means is that even for those Ten Commandments, because God knows your heart, and he knows your mind and your thoughts and your motives, you can't even escape those commandments. So, and because of this, our sin is tremendously serious, guys. Our sin is serious. And God is so immensely holy that the Bible teaches us this. Look at what it says. You have it in your notes as well. Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. Guys, the Bible teaches us that this is what our sin deserves. It's not a little deal. It's not a little white lie. It's not a couple of gummy worms, right? It's, it's not some bad thoughts. It's, 
it's sin, that we sin before a holy and perfect God. And it's so tremendously serious. The Bible says that this is the wages of our sin. And if you're here today and if you think that the punishment for your sin is too large, then I'm afraid your God is too small. If you think, wow, that's a serious punishment, you know, for my sin, death, Danny, that's way too much. And I'm, I'm just afraid that you just don't have a big enough view of how holy, how wonderful our God is. But there's good news, guys, okay? There's good news. The good news comes into the picture through Christ. In fact, this is why we celebrate Easter. In today's passage, we're going to be looking at two thieves that hung on either side of Jesus while he was on, his, on the crucifixion, on, the, on this wood, wooden cross. There was two thieves next to him, and there's good news that comes into the picture. Guys, take out your notes. It's there. I'm going to put it up on the screen as well. It's in Luke chapter 23. Here's what you got to know. Jesus Christ lived the perfect sinless life, but the people wanted to crucify him because he claimed to be God. And that claim took him to the death penalty, which was in those times, the crucifixion. It was hanging on a cross. And so Jesus carried a cross up onto the mountain. They nailed his hands. They nailed his feet. They put a crown of thorn on his head, blood dripping down his face. He's hanging on the cross. And next to him are two thieves, two sinners that are next to him. Here's what it says. Luke chapter 23. Two other men, both criminals. You guys might want to underline that right in your notes. Where it says both criminals because they're both sinners, it says. We also were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Now, crucifixion, guys, was a form of ex execution from, for the Romans. It was actually a very expensive form of execution because they had to put guards and soldiers to guard the people. It was a very expensive way. It was, it was an extremely humiliating way of giving this capital punishment, the death penalty of their days. And it was very humiliating because it was done in front of everybody. Everybody saw they were put on a mountain so that everybody can see and spit at them and, and hurl insults at them. It was extremely uh, painful. And because, because it was so expensive and it was so humiliating, it was left for the worst of the worst criminals. So they can make, make an example out of them. You see what happened to this guy? Don't do what he did because that will happen to you. You ever tell your kids that, right? You ever give that example? So this is what they're doing. They're making an example of these worst of the worst criminals so that you wouldn't follow what they did. And this is actually where we get our English word excruciating. You ever said, man, that's some excruciating pain? It actually comes from the root word of crucifix or crucifixion. It was so painful that we get our English word from that. And here's what's interesting. Those of you that are into history, I don't know if any of you are into, into history, but they excavated um, in an old Jerusalem tomb in 1968, they found the heel bone of someone who was crucified with the nail still in it. This is amazing. Archaeologists dated this to the times of Jesus, and, and they were able to find this in the tomb of a person in, inside of a box where they kept the human remains in the bones. And they apparently they couldn't take the nail out, and they left it in the heel, and they found this back in 1968, dating it to the times of Jesus. And this is evidence, guys, that this was used during the times of of Jesus. When Jesus walked this earth, this was something that the Romans did. So Jesus climbs up this mountain. The name of the mountain is called the skull. And they called it, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what it looks like. Can you guys see why they call it the skull? Do you see that? The face right there in the middle of the nose. The mountain looks like a skull. If you go to Jerusalem today, it's still there in Golgotha. 
they bring him to the skull, and it looks like a skull is carved into the side of the rock. And so, and he's crucified there. He's put on display for all to mock and to ridicule. He's hung next to two thieves. And while we don't know exactly what the thieves did, we don't know what they did, but we do know that this punishment was left for the worst of the worst. So whatever they did, it was pretty bad. And then here's what happens. He's on the cross on the mountain called the skull, going through excruciating pain next to two thieves, next to two criminals, and this conversation happens. You have it there in your notes. It's Luke chapter 23. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's done nothing. And here's what we have. We have two different people who are both criminals and sentenced to death by the Roman government. While their punishments are identical, the same crucifixion, they are two completely different mindsets. They're thinking two different thoughts in this moment on the mountain called the skull. And here's what I want all of us to realize today, okay? I want us all to realize that as we look at these two different responses from these two different men, that we are all one of these two criminals. And I want you to realize that. And by the end of today's message, I want you to think of which one of these two you are. Each one had their own response to Jesus. We just read it. They each had their own response um, to Jesus. They are with Jesus. They're being crucified next to him, and each one has made up in their mind who he is. Today, I'd like to ask yourself the question. I'd like for you to ask yourself the question, which one of these two criminals am I? Think about that. Okay, As we continue to read these verses, which one are you? I'd like to challenge you today to make up your mind on who is Jesus to you. The answer to that question has huge ramifications on how you live your life. My job here today is to help and point you towards seeing Jesus as Savior and King. So let's look at the response of the first criminal in Luke 23, verse 39. This is the first criminal. Look what he says. One of the criminals who hung there, what did he do? He hurled insults at Jesus. And look what he says, guys. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. What can we say about this criminal? What can we say about his character as we examine this passage? Well, we can see he was arrogant, right? He was super prideful. He was entitled. He's like, man, why don't you save yourself and save me if that's who you really are? Get me, on, get me out of this thing. Save us, right? He had no fear of God. There's no fear of God. And so often, many of us have this similar attitude of God, don't we? We only want God for what he can give us, right? Sure, God. I'll take your blessings. Make me prosper. Expand my territory. We love those Old Testament verses. Make me blessed and highly favored. We only want the blessings of God, and we only want God for what he can give us. And as long as we're getting all those things that we want, we want health, we want wealth, we want prosperity, and as long as we're getting all those things, then me and God, we're all right. We're good right now because I'm getting all the things that I want. But what happens when you don't get everything you want from God? Well, then you become like this criminal. You hurl insults at God. I'm not going to pray to you. You're not giving me what I want. I'm not going to seek out your wisdom from the pages of Scripture and reading your Bible. I'm not going to be held accountable in the context of biblical community through the local church. I'm not going to exercise my God-given gifts for the benefit of the local church. And when you respond to Jesus this way, 
You're just like this first criminal. You're arrogant. You're prideful. You're entitled. You have no fear of God. And if we could sum up this first criminal, there's a line there on your notes. If we can sum it up in one word, this is what I would say. He's unrepentant. He's unrepentant. So now let's take a look at the second criminal's response to Jesus. It's night and day, guys. It's a totally different response. Let's take a look at it. It's Luke chapter 23, verses 40 to 41. And look what he says. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. We deserve what we're getting, right? But we are getting what our deeds deserve. But you know what? This man, he's done nothing wrong. Jesus has done nothing wrong. What can we say about the character of the second criminal? Well, he's definitely guilty, right? He did wrong. He did, he did wrong. He's, he, look, he says, we are punished justly. We deserve what, what's happening to us right now. But he's humble. He's not prideful. He's humble. He's accepting. He's accepting his condition. He's broken. He's not perfect. And he admits that, doesn't he? He recognizes in his brokenness, in his sinfulness. And you know what? He's fearful of God. He does have a fear of God. And this is a significant difference, guys. Because this second criminal is realizing that he falls significantly short of Jesus. His response is one filled with humility. And if I could sum up his action in one word, this is what I would say. You can write it down in your notes, is repentant. He's repentant. And this is so important for us to grasp, guys, today on this Easter Sunday. Because we live in a day and age where people will not accept their sin. Right? They'll say it with phrases like this. You can't judge me. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. In fact, it's a very popular shirt and hoodie. Uh, have you guys seen it? You can walk down Knickerbocker, go into Vim's. They sell the hoodie there. It says, only God can judge me. Maybe you, have, maybe you bought the shirt. I thought about buying it because my name is Daniel, which is the Hebrew word for God, only um, God is my judge. And, I, and so I thought about buying it. But you know what this shirt is actually saying? What, it's, what they're really saying is that I can do whatever I want. You can't tell me what I can do. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want, and you can't stop me. And this is so important because until we recognize our sin, we won't recognize our need for a Savior. It's not until you recognize that you fall incredibly short of the glory of God that you won't recognize your need for a Savior. Because once you are able to recognize your sinfulness, that's when you become a prime candidate for grace. So many are like the first thief. We're arrogant and we're not recognizing our sinfulness. But my prayer today, as, the, as, the, as we leave, that we all would leave more like the second thief today, like the second criminal, recognizing, man, we've screwed up. You know, we've really fallen short. We've definitely made mistakes. And, and we don't have it all figured out. We don't have it right. That's when you can ultimately experience the grace of God. You can compare it to this. Imagine you received the parking ticket or a speeding ticket. Um, for some of you, you don't have to imagine because you just got one last week or something, right? But imagine you go to court, right? You, you broke the law, okay? You ate the red light, all right? You know, you, you ate the stop sign, all right? You parked in the wrong spot. You're, you're guilty. But imagine going to court and you're going to plead before the judge. Say the ticket's 150 bucks, all right? It's $150. You don't have the money to pay, or at least you could find better use for $150. You don't want to give up 150 to give to the city. So you go to the judge, and the judge asks you, how do you plead? And you answer because you know, guilty. I, I totally screwed up. 
Here's what's interesting. Imagine that the same judge says, instead of charging you the fee that you deserve to pay because you broke the law, imagine he looks at you and he says, listen, I know you're guilty, but your debt is paid. Go ahead. You're free to go. Don't worry about it. How would you feel? What would that do to you? This is exactly what happened to the repentant criminal on the cross. The second thief, you see, he deserved death, but Jesus gave him life. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 23, 42 to 43. This is after the criminal says, man, what are you doing? Leave him alone. He's innocent. We deserve what we get. Look what he says. But then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Look at what Jesus said. This is so beautiful. This is so wonderful. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. And I love Jesus' response here, especially because it's so counterintuitive to the way that we think, right? Jesus recognizes this man is being repentant. He has a repentant heart, and he grants him the gift of salvation. And here's what's interesting about, his, about this man. His feet were bound. He couldn't walk the straight and narrow. His hands were tied, so he couldn't perform good works. He couldn't give charity. He couldn't feed the homeless or the hungry. He couldn't turn over a new leaf because he was moments away from dying. He couldn't join a church. He couldn't get baptized because he couldn't get off the cross. He couldn't do many of the things that people feel they need to do in order to gain salvation. But all the criminal had time to do and all he needed to do was to repent and put his faith in Jesus. That's all it took. Isn't that amazing? This is why Psalm 103 is so amazing. Psalm 103 says this. Psalm is a book in the Old Testament, and it says this. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is good news. Because God does not treat us the way our sins deserve. What what do our sins deserve? It deserves God's wrath. That's what our sin deserves. It deserves death. The wages of sin is death. But instead, God in his infinite love towards us through Jesus, instead he gives us life. He gives you life. And this is the good news of the gospel. This is why we celebrate Easter Sunday. That though we were dead in our sins and separated from God, God came to us. Guys, every other religion that we see in the, in the world is man's attempt trying to reach God. It's trying to let me do more. Let me pray more. Let me do more. Let me, more charity. Give more money. Go to church more and try to get closer to God. But what's different about Christianity and a walk with Christ What's so different about it is that it's God's attempt to reach down to man. God reaching out to us in our sinfulness, in our darkness, he reaches out to us. It's God's attempt to reach man. If we too, like the criminal on the cross, acknowledge and repent of our sin, if we, man, I, I recognize I'm a sinner, God. If we acknowledge and repent, if we surrender our lives to Jesus, we can experience forgiveness. We can experience his acceptance. We can experience grace and mercy. This is why 1 Peter 1.3 says this as we wrap up 
I would love it. Can we, can we read this all together with great Easter enthusiasm? This is good news right here. First Peter 1 through. Let's read it together nice and loud. Ready? Go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise be to God, a Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in his mercy that we are no longer dead in our sin and our trespasses, but we are forgiven through Christ. And guys, this is why it's so important that I got to tell you this right now. If you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, Today, I want to give you an opportunity to be able to do just that. It's not what religion says, let me do more and get more so I can try to get closer to God, yet fall every single time incredibly short. No, no, no. God made a way for you through his son, Jesus. And if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, which we saw what the criminal did on the cross, all he did was repent of his sin, then I want to give you guys that opportunity to by faith accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today. In fact, in your, in your bulletins, you guys got this. It looks like this, the connection card. Please take that out. I would love if you would fill this out. If you're a first-time guest, fill out as much information as you feel comfortable. If you're a regular attender, your name and email is just enough. Um, but if you're a first-time guest, fill it out. On the back, there's some next steps. And if you haven't made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, I would love for you to check that box off. And make a decision today. And we're going to follow up with you. We're going to pray with you. And, and we're going to help you take those next steps to follow Jesus Christ. How, how more wonderful would it be than on Easter Sunday to make a decision to follow Christ? Now, right above that, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's the next step we can all take. It's right there on top. And it's this. Take time to repent of your sin this week and reflect on the good news of the gospel. Can we all take that next step? This week, reflect on the good news of the gospel. Repent on, on, of your sin. In a moment, Stephen's going to come up here, and he's going to give you guys an opportunity and, and let you know how to turn this in and uh, let you know about the prayer requests and all that. But, man, man, if you're here today, you haven't made a decision to experience this, the goodness of Jesus Christ, put your faith in him today. We, we want to help you take your next steps. And for all of us, man, let us have, let us have hearts that are repentant toward God and celebrate all that God has done through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. Guys, that is good news. Let's pray. God, we just pray that you would help us, God. Um, and we repent of our sin, God, which number the, the sands and, and, and the droplets of water in the ocean, Lord. It's just how sinful we are. And God, so we repent of that, uh, Lord, before you. But we celebrate and we thank you and we praise God for Jesus Christ, who is who is the one who died for my sins, that paid the price on the cross so that we can live. We give you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.